Welcome to Worlds Collide, the wrestling card podcast for wrestling fans by wrestling fans, featuring Tony Bella from WrestlingTradingCards.com. This is like a, a stock market. Like- and Zan Morning from Wrestling With Cards on YouTube. And I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer, I'm just posing the question. Join them as they navigate the world of wrestling cards, helping you build a bigger and better collection and making some money along the way. What's up, wrestling fans, trading card collectors, Worlds Collide. Again, another week, another week of Worlds Colliding. I'm Zan from WrestlingTradingCards.com. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I'm not. Wrestling oh, with cards. No, you're not. Yes, and I'm Tony with WrestlingTradingCards.com. Wait, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, I am. Nonsense I, I off the rails on. already. Yeah, we've got too much going Nonsense on. Nonsense off the rails. We're not going to stop. No, this train will not go well, off the rails. Wrestling cards for life. Well, it, it could go off the rails. It could be bumps like that. But you know what the funny thing is? We just jump right back on those rails again. Speaking of off the rails, get ready for Worlds Collide After Dark coming up to a podcast near you soon. It'll be in the same feed, just a little bit of a break from what we normally do. But it's still going to be fun. still going to be wrestling related. I, I can't believe we're going there. I can't <laughs> believe we're going there. But it's, it's going to be fun. It's Full gonna, we'll, of we'll make nonsense. it fun for sure. <laughs> uh what are we talking about this week we're talking about what uh collecting collecting versus, versus investing, investing the different personalities tony like i think this is like a topic that i brought up quite a while ago but then all of a sudden you message me one day and you're like let's talk about this so i'm gonna give you the floor to kick things off well i just want to know about fun versus financial gain in this in this hobby like where do you draw the line in being just a collector versus all I'm about is investing. Like it just seems we have the, the we have um, our hobby. I go by what you say because you collect more things than just wrestling and other people collect other stuff besides wrestling. I'm just wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a lot of experience from other genres of baseball and basketball and football. And I oftentimes hear from a lot of guests that I talk to that I hear from people that you've talked to that we talked to together that, you know, there's no other hobby quite like the wrestling card community that they're really yep. uh, different, a different breed of cat almost, you know, definitely. Um, but what I do see is a division between everything between investors versus collectors. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of wanting to find out, you know, First off, just describe what's what's the difference between what do you describe? What would you call uh, an, an investor versus collector? Investors are generally people who are looking at it strictly from financial perspective and just trying to make money on it. Like you can, then, th- that's strictly the investing. I mean, that's that's what that means. Whether it's cards, any collectible stocks, bonds, any kind of financial market that there's money behind, that's what investing is. So. I, I, I totally get that. And then there seems to be like that gray area where people who were collectors are now kind of tipping more into being an investor. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of guilty of that. I was used to be nothing but a collector. I didn't buy to sell anything. I bought to collect. I enjoyed the hobby of collecting. I it was a thrill of the chase to find something and complete that set. You know, my wife's going through that just through the tops. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. She, she loves the thrill of just trying to go and open up virtual packs and try to complete those sets and trading and things like um and it's funny you, you say know, that because now, i've actually gone back that way with some things too so this will this will be an interesting conversation as we get through it 
it's just, uh, you know, now I'm kind of flipping a little more into this and flipping is a great word uh, where I'm going into uh, buying things with the intent to purely sell. And that is it. Like I have no interest whatsoever in adding this to my PC in any way, shape or form. I get the temptation a little bit. It's almost like quitting smoking cigarettes. You know, it's like years later, it's like, ah, yeah, I quit smoking years ago, but man, I, I, I totally get it. I get that craving, man. It's like, I, I can feel that desire to go like, you know what? I, I want to be a carrying cross collector. I think he's a great, it's a great investment, you know, for me to collect. Uh, but that's part of it. I'm investing. I'm not really collecting for the love of his character. I'm investing because I think that's going to be worth something someday. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm just collecting Kurt Angle stuff now because I enjoy him, that character. I, I'm a fan of his wrestling and I just, I want to keep it. I don't have intentions of selling it at all. Um, and I just seem in our genre, our little market, there does seem to be a bit of a divide between investors and collectors. And there just sometimes seem to be butting heads. I see that online on social media where um, investors kind of stick with their investor friends and the collectors kind of stick with their collector friends. Right. Yeah. There's a very few people who kind of walk that fine line a little bit. I think you're one us. of the people who walk that fine line. Yeah. Yeah, we both walk um, it. I think you do more than I do. I'm more on the investment side now where I want to try and sell things and sell mm-hmm. things and sell things, you know, um, just, I only collect, you know, Kurt Angle stuff. I don't have an intention of like selling things to upgrade my personal collection of buying a Hogan, you know, PSA card. I, I don't have those kind of desires. Uh, I just want to do the, the Kurt Angles. Like I said, um, you're kind of more involved in both. Like you kind of have, you got like one foot really firmly planted in both sides. Firmly. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it started off as mainly just a uh, flipping really. Like when I first got into it, I was like, okay, it'd be cool to own some of this stuff, but if I can get these cards that are thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars, I'm getting it to sell, but I still do that. But I've also started since I've started the carry and cross collection and got back into some of my old sports player collecting stuff. I've, I've been able to have fun as these collectors do with that stuff, because I don't care as much about the condition. I just want to complete the parallel set or get, you know, the, be a super collector trying to get every card of the specific player team, whatever. Um, I've, I'm able to have fun doing that, but I'm also still have the investor mindset of, I understand that I can buy and sell these things over here to help fund that collection, essentially making it free. And um, we can kind of dive into some of that stuff because there's pros and cons to each side. And like I said, we'll get into it. One thing I wanted to touch on, you asked about the investing. So you used to be a completist and you probably run in more circles of straight collectors. So what does collecting mean to you as you have asked me what investment means to me? Just a straight collector. I think that the definition of both can be summed up in a couple real quick. I mean, it's a... I think in my notes, I pointed out that this is fun versus financial gain. So, but, but financial gain is fun to people. Some like, you know what I'm saying? Like true. And I, and I, and until recently I didn't really look at it that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of having fun in that financial gain stuff aspect. Sure. Um, but for me, for collecting, it's just for the pure joy of it because I enjoy the hobby. I'm a fan of the sport, uh, have been since I was a kid. Uh, so it, that, there's that aspect of it. That's what I like. It's nostalgic in some place. I'm going after vintage stuff. It's nostalgic. I'm going after new stuff. You know, I, I'm not such a big fan of the new product, so I don't really collect a lot of the new stuff. Um, 
that's why I kind of go after Kurt Angle, even though he's kind of involved in more some newer stuff. It's still, you know, we're going back to the you know, late nineties for him anyway. So uh, that's when I was really heavily involved in collecting, you know, 98 through 2004 timeframe. Um, so it's just, it's for fun. It's purely for fun. Collecting is for fun. That's, that's what I like. I like holding that cardboard. I like looking at the, the pictures of things, kind of reminding me of the time frame. Especially if I look at something like, you know, today's the 20th, this recording is on the 25th anniversary of the NWO, you know, framing. Right. It's like that. It's like finding cards of that uh, would be kind of, it would totally take me right back to that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what I, that's the fun aspect I have of it. I don't have that fun anymore, really collecting it in the way I used to collect. Um, uh, I just enjoy the Kurt Angle stuff. I enjoy gathering information right now from the cards for the WTC side of stuff where I'm trying to archive information for co- future collectors, collectors now. Uh, so there's some place to go to know what you have, what you're missing and, you know, all the little wonderful intricate details about that set. Um, that's for me for collecting. You know, though, I think that's the best way to do it. And even when I go back to when I was a kid collecting, I had my player collection and then I had everything else. Everything else was information gathering, whether it was about sets, uh, whether it was about inserts, pack odds, stuff like that. And all that stuff I would either sell or more, more so back then I would trade with kids at school people I knew in the neighborhood, whatever. So I think what you're saying, and times have changed, obviously, because we have digital now, but really a lot of that stuff is still, those those core principles are still applied. Because when I was a kid, yep. I was I still wasn't collecting everything. I was like honed in on a few of the players I liked, and then everything else was just trade fodder. And I think that's essentially what you're doing. What, it's what I'm doing now. Right. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was a, a complete, even as a kid, I would go out and buy you know, or my, my parents would help me with a paper route or whatever the hell I was getting my money from, how I worked for my dad for all those years, but that's a whole different story. That's an after dark story. Um, Save it. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, um, uh, I would go out and buy those, those long boxes of tops, you know, the complete set, factory sets like that. Um, I'd find hobby boxes, uh, you know, boxes somewhere at the 7-Eleven or Circle K or something like that. And I'd buy mm-hmm. a pack. It's like that, get the gum out of whatever. And uh, and I would cook, I put all my shoe box, you know, and I, I'd, I'd have it all for baseball because I was a big baseball fan. And I just have it there and I'd, I'd sort all my stuff by teams and I'd make little cutouts of like construction paper and I had the A's and the Angels and the Brewers and yep. it's going on, on the room. And I go, oh, look, the Yankees are playing the Angels. And I pull out my Thurman Munson car like, oh my God, he had 26 home runs last year. Da, da, da. And that's what I would do as a kid. So I wasn't a player collector of anybody at the time. I didn't become a player collector. Really, I was never a player collector, to be honest. So recently. Never. Until recently. And uh, so it's a, it's a new thing for me to be a player collector of some kind. So it, it's different, but collecting is one thing. Then you have the investment side, what we were talking about too, which was, you know, I think we made some notices that it's kind of been a, a newer thing over the last decade or so. I think it is but, specifically within wrestling, but maybe you've got a different opinion. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess when you break it down to specifically with wrestling, I guess it could be. But I think there's always been a base there of people who are, you know, uh, investing at, at all times. But I don't know. I think you're right. More modern stuff, especially in the last two years, mm-hmm. even the last year, you're going to see a lot of people who are crossing over from other sports because either there's no product available from their buy and break or to buy, you know, uh, so they're looking to either diversify their portfolio or, um, I don't know. Wrestling could be a fun little niche thing for them to get involved in, I guess. <laughs> uh, 
the numbers don't seem to add up, you know, for them. I think that's why I think wrestling gets looked upon. I think the, we've talked about it before where, you know, there's, there's not enough zeros in it for, for serious hardcore collectors right. out there. It's a nostalgia. It's a nostalgia aspect of the hobby for them. You know, unless a Gary V goes out there and says, Oh, I like this Coco beware car or something like that or whatever he might be. You know, He's saying. done that. He's done that though. And people still haven't picked up on it. He's there's a, I think it's the 87 tops King Kong Bundy. He's been pushing like, for a couple of years now and like nobody's buying that card yeah and I, I i don't know what it takes to get people to um you know it, it is wrestling ever going to see numbers like we've talked uh, we beat, we're gonna beat a dead horse man mm-hmm. in the mouth i mean but i mean is wrestling ever gonna see numbers like you do nba cards like you do uh, any other sports no probably not no but the probably margins are, the margins are still there you've said it before the margins are still the same yeah the margins are still the same i mean what was a dollar card is now a hundred dollar card whatever but you know a hundred dollar card in basketball now is a you know a thousand dollar card it's that the margins are still the same right uh it's just uh I, I guess the appeal is like well you know tens of thousand dollars is cool but i i prefer to invest in it give me hundreds of thousands of dollars you know millions of dollars like I mean, really? I mean, uh, you know, profits are profits. If I could turn $1 into $100, that's a good day. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you want to go way lower, like a lot of the stuff that I like to flip is like the cards that I got for a penny, flipping those into like 50 to 75 cents. And if you do that and scale it, you're looking at. Oh, enough. yeah. Yeah. Uh, people people make fun of you going like, why you got a thousand, you got a thousand cards like that sitting there. Like, Wait, you're going to make a nickel a card every month. Well, a nickel times a thousand does add up. Considering when they cost a fraction of a penny to begin with, like correct. I mean, if you got inventory, like in my when my raw deal stuff, my inventory of at one point I was sitting on about one point two million single. I think it was in, in raw deal cards. It was just ridiculous the amount of it. I mean, maybe not that high. It was it was it was definitely closer to a million cards. I think, and I I had to sit back and think like, what what am I invested in all this stuff? Like, that sounds like a lot of money. Interesting about my average lot collection I was buying, I was in like fractions of a penny. Mm-hmm. Like some stuff was given to me. Some stuff I'd buy, you know, 35,000 cards for 300 bucks. Right. You know, and I'm flipping those cards for anywhere from a nickel to, uh, on average, my average price on a card is usually around, around 75 cents to a dollar, somewhere mm-hmm. in that price point. And if I'm into these things for less than a fraction of a penny, that is a huge profit margin. Correct. And when someone's filling their shopping cart on my website with five of these, 10 of these, and the next thing you know, it's a, a 465 card, you know, order. Yeah. It ends up being, you know, $300 in, 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 in sales that it would probably only cost me a dollar. Right. That's a huge profit margin. And that can be applied even to wrestling cards. When you buy giant lots of cards and you're willing to flip these things for 50 cents, 60 cents, 75 cents a dollar, and you're into these things for pennies, that's a huge profit margin. But for some guys, I guess, in other sports, that's just not good enough for them. Well, I think also too, if you want to talk about the negative connotations of what you just said within wrestling, um, I don't, I'm trying not to be disrespectful here, but I guess facts are facts. I think a lot of people don't understand like um, business. I don't think they understand financial aspects of how you can, you know, make profits on things. I think like, I think a lot of people just think the way I make money is like, go to my nine to five and that's good enough for me. And that's never like, I've never been that way. Even when I was a kid, I was like printing video game cheat codes off AOL and selling them at school for like a dollar. You know, I've just always had that mentality. 
So no matter what I'm into, like I've, I've got to find other ways to do things. Even if I've got, you know, if I'm financially okay, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop. You know, I just keep going. And the thing that I, it's something that it's something that's, it's embedded in in you. It's it's something you were born, you know, it's like this weird instinct you have. Cause I have a similar thing as a kid taking a big refrigerator box, cutting a door open. So I got little windows and building a little tiny shelf. And I, I'm probably five years old at the time. It's probably one of my earliest memories of my life. And then taking, you know, whether it be a baseball card or extra marbles that I had or something I got out of my happy meal or something like that, whatever I put it in the, and, and have the kids in the neighborhood come to my little booth in my mm-hmm. driveway of my, my refrigerator box and I'd sell things to them that I didn't, I didn't want so I can buy something right. I did want. Right. And that's exactly what's helped me as a collector, maybe even more so than you is a lot of the stuff I have, I've been able to afford not by working for it. I mean, I did work for it, but by flipping this stuff, flipping these low end cards, you know, trying to find uh, arbitrage where people are not looking stuff like that. So um, we can get into that as we go through more of this stuff. Um, so let's talk about some pros and cons of both. We'll start with just strictly collecting. Uh, one thing I had is that you're in it, as you said, for just the love of collecting. You're happy regardless of whether the value goes up or down. Um, you really won't have any regrets selling anything because generally you don't sell anything. Um, and the other thing is you end up with almost everything because if you're like a completist, you've got everything there is out there. So whenever a card pops off that, you know, goes in popularity, raises in value, et cetera, well, you're like, oh, I've already got one. Well, of course you do, because you're like a completist. You don't sell anything. So that's that's actually a pro for straight up collectors. Um, the perfect examples of those kind of guys are Paul from the Price Guide and, and Chuckster. They got those everything. Guys- they got everything between those yeah. guys. They got everything. And they, they do it for the pure joy of it because they love collecting mm-hmm. and they have no, I mean, I, people found out, you know, Oh, Paul's already got all 101 of those WCW autograph cards, you know, and people are offering him obscene amount of money for like some of his cards. He's like, no, I want to break up my set. I, I love my set. I got to say, if I was in the same boat of him, as much as I like money, I wouldn't do it either. Yeah. It's, it's all about personal preference, man. I mean, at, at some point, as, as the million dollar man said, man, everybody's got a price. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. At, and at that, that point, actually leads into the last point I had is you do have an, and we both lived through the junk wax era. So we know what this is like. But from the strictly collector standpoint, you do have a slight chance of like setting up your family or loved ones financially for the future. We've all heard those absolutely. stories of those guys that found the Honus Wagner card and a cigarette box in an attic. And all of a sudden they've got a $5 million, you know? So um, that's just kind of some pros I have from strictly collecting. You have anything to add on that? No, I think you hit all all the points perfectly on that. I mean, it's just uh, really about the love of collecting. So you, you look at a Chuckster and a Paul and these guys have been collecting for so many years for so long. They may not be the completest aspect anymore. Like that. I mean, because the manufacturers made it very difficult to be a complete mm-hmm. seller. Um, but, you know, you look at stuff from mid 2000 and go backwards. It wasn't overly difficult to collect everything, you know, over a reasonable amount of time. I mean, you could pay a little bit more for, to get that stone cold autograph from, you know, uh, that, that FLIR release or something, but um, you know, it's, they pretty much get like, that's why they're indie set collectors because they just buy a set and they're done and they're good and they have it and they have zero intentions of selling anything at all. They love it. 
So let's move on to the cons. And of course, you're the king of the segues. So this, <laughs> what you were just talking about rolls right into this. Um, in my opinion, you're potentially losing or throwing money away on cards that don't matter. And that's, I think you finally got what I, I maybe I'm wrong, but I think you understand my point of view on that when I, we started talking about base sets and how the money is just not there. And for me, yeah. like, I, okay, let's go, but let's just, for example, the 98 comic images, there's a lot of good cards in there and you've got guys like D'Lo Brown. I liked watching D'Lo Brown. Um, you've got Mark, Mark Henry, Mark Henry, you got DX in there. You got a lot of these good cards, but I personally don't have any interest in collecting those. Now that's not to say like everybody can go PC what they want and I am all for player collections. So if you want to go out there and PC Mark Marrow cards, I'm all for it. I totally get it. But from a collecting set perspective, that's what I'm saying is I feel like sometimes people are putting money into these cards that really don't matter just to have the set. What do you think? Well, it depends on what your intentions are of having that set. Are you collecting because you love the set? It doesn't matter what's in that set because I got to have it. I'm a, I'm a completist. I know there's like Nick from the crazy card collector. I mean, he's just got to have it. You know, he's like, I, I'm a completist as part of my ADD or whatever. It's like that. I got to, I get that. I got to have yeah. it, you know, or OCD, but I'm sorry. No, um, no, I know what you mean. And uh, so it's like, uh, you know, uh, too many DDs out there, but um, it's, uh, he's just got to have all that stuff. So it's like, yeah, I wasn't a fan of most of those guys in that set, but I'm a completist. Got to have that whole base set. So I, I get That's, that aspect. You got to have. I, it. I get the completist get aspect, but like, if you don't like stuff in a set, like, why are you why are you buying it? Like, it's for the love of it. That's what they, they love it. You know, it's again. I I used to complete. I, I used to be that guy. I used to be that guy that completed those sets. I had to have the bit base sets. And those were the easy, easy, easy stuff to get. Obviously, because mm -hmm. you could buy a box and make a set out of a box. Typically, you could. Uh, that's so hard to do now nowadays. Um, but I liked it because, it, you know, one, just as a completist of me, I wanted to have the whole set. Was I a fan of like Midian and, and, mm -hmm. and, all, you know, all that stuff from that set? No, I, I, I wasn't a fan, you know, no disrespect to those people like that, but I wasn't a fan. It wasn't what I was into. Well, and uh, it's but, interesting because like, I, I'll use Midian, for example, I was a fan of watching him but I just didn't want anything to do with his cards. So I don't know if there's a disconnect for me personally there or. It's just a wiring issue in the mind, I guess, like that. You know, I don't like know. That you want to collect and what you don't want to collect. Yeah. But, you know, for a base set, like now I have no interest in any base sets. I have no interest in collecting any. If I did, it'd be for a retail standpoint because mm -hmm. I, you know, I am opening up my own, my own store. I like to have a lot of sets on hand to sell to customers to come in and, and want to buy those sets. Um, but for me personally, I don't have any any interest in completing a base set. Um, I actually you know, do. I, I like I, I have the complete sets and uh, like I don't really plan on getting rid of them anytime soon. 82, 83 All-Stars. Um, I think I have a complete set of the ECW wrestling figure stickers. You remember those? Mm -hmm. I, like, yep. I, oh, yeah. I they, love they, the they mimic the exact same things mm -hmm. as the cards. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just love those for some reason. And I wasn't the biggest fan of all of the guys in the set, but I think that set is such a weird oddball thing to have that I was like, you know, I might as well just keep all of these. So I get it like for some sets, but I guess I just don't understand. Like if you're not a massive fan of the majority of the set, maybe why you would continue collecting it when you could put your money into other things, but uh, we'll move on to the well, next. That, 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 and that is a, that is the pure, I think pure great definition of what separates an investor from a collector. 
a collector collects it for the fun of collecting whether I'm a fan of the entire product or not. I collect Good it point. because the release I gotta, I gotta have. Whereas the investor goes, why would you waste your money on all this stuff if you don't care about any of the guys in that? Why just put your money someplace else? That's an investment stand mindset. Put your money somewhere else. Well, it's my money. I like to collect it. Shut up. Let me collect my stuff. I liked it. <laughs> Good point. Great point. Actually, that, that sums it up very well. Um, the other con, in my opinion, to being just a straight collector is how you fund your collection. You know, a lot of people, especially now, and when we saw the huge boom, they were like, well, I can't find the product or I'm, I'm priced out because it's too much for me to afford. And in my case, I was like, well, I'll just work and find ways to get the money to pay for those things. But I'm also generally not buying anything out of my own like day job money. So that's, sure. in my opinion, that's another con. Do you got any thoughts on that? No, I agree. I like that. When you start, you, if you, if you're smart about your collecting, it's like that. And I'm learning, I'm still learning. It's like that. I, I mean, I've dipped into my own personal money to buy certain things here and there. It's like, um, because I'm not flipping rapidly right mm -hmm. now. I don't flip as rapidly as you do. I'm still getting in the early phases of trying to flip because most of my stuff I want to flip is still sitting at that wonderful company, you know, being graded for the last year. Yeah. Um, the company, and, which uh, will not be named. <laughs> Those shall not be named. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. And it's, uh, you know, that, that's, I, I don't have anything really else laying around that I want to say, oh, I have this, I'm going to flip it and flip it. I, I just don't have the time to do that uh, with so many projects that I have going mm -hmm. on. I probably, you know, but um, no, I, I, I just, uh, you know, funding your stuff. If you're smart about it and you can take your collection it's hard to tell though it depends on how the way you're doing it is is a very smart way to do it uh, i've admired how you do your collecting and how you take your your investments and things like listen i'm going to buy this because i know potentially i can flip it to buy something that i really want to get mm -hmm. um and that's a lot of work you got to do your homework and it's a lot of work it's spending a lot of hours on ebay a lot of hours yep. on social media platform a lot of hours on macari on all other places to a lot of hours packaging things correct and i hate packaging it's the worst <laughs> thing i hate it. i hate shipping product um, but if you have that mindset and can do that, then great, more power too. But I think most people have to dip into their nine to five job to fund their hobby, you know, mm. but it's important to set yourself a budget then, you know, Hey, listen, I pay my rent or I pay my mortgage. I pay my car payment and all my bills. And at the end of the month, I have this, I can actually spend on my hobby and stay within that budget, I guess. That's a good idea. Um, last con that I wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, I talked about potentially setting your family up for the future if you had something very valuable. I think it also could be a con as in you could become a burden on your family or loved ones because you just leave massive amounts of boxes everywhere and it just becomes too much. And there's a slim chance that maybe they don't know what's in there, even though it is worth something and they end up just throwing it out just to get rid of it because you didn't label it properly or it wasn't graded or, you know, uh, numerous things. But that's one thing that I've really had to kind of look at because I still love collecting. So I'm like, okay, how can I still collect stuff without becoming a hoarder? And 
you know, I just kind of find the balance of how I can get that done. So that's just my last con that I had on straight collecting. Yeah, it can be a little bit um, overwhelming if you, um, and I suffer from that greatly. When I go look at my storage unit and look mm-hmm. at the stuff that I've amassed over the years, I, I go to that storage unit with a, a today's the day, man. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to get <laughs> stuff. I'm going to bring it home and I'm going to just get rid of this crap. I'm going to start selling crap I don't want. And I, I get overwhelmed within minutes. I'm overwhelmed by just looking at boxes. And like, even though I don't remember what's in what box or that box and I just get overwhelmed. So I, I get it. It becomes, it becomes a, a total negative uh, in that respect. But then again, if you got, if you passed away left all this stuff and you have family members who inherit all, all your stuff, did they really know you? They don't know what you've got. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> they yeah, don't, it's, a, it's a good like, point. Oh, that's Zan. It's like, it's like, just throw all his stuff, all these wrestling cards. He was in the wrestling cards. Dude, do you even know you're this guy? <laughs> hey, you know something else I'll, I will touch on right there is the grading. Because, I mean, come on, it doesn't matter what card it is. If you've got it in a slab, it tells you the year, the set, exactly, the card number. Exactly what it is. Regardless of the grade, people are going to, they could put that on eBay and they could still get something out of it because they don't even have to do any work to find out what it is. They could take a picture of that damn thing and put it right there on Facebook or Twitter. Does anybody know yep. about this? Yeah, yep. I want that. I'll buy it from you. Yep. All right, so let's move on to investing. Um, have some interesting takes on this, I'm sure. So there's pros and cons, of course, to both. Uh, first pro is, of course, making money and being able to fund other things and then potentially becoming a full-time job. We've seen people that have started making a living out of just strictly trading cards. Uh, we've got people like yeah. myself who I'm able to fund, I would say, 99.9% of my personal collection from just flipping stuff, not taking money out of my own things. And then there's people who, you know, jump into cards or collectibles just to make some money and then, you know, pay a bill, get out of debt, feed their kids, nothing wrong with any of that. So that's just one the pro that I have for strictly investing. I don't, sometimes I don't think it's as much fun if you're just attacking it from that angle. I don't know. What do you think? Cause you're kind of on that level right now. I think. I'm um, it's stressful for me. Um, at that respect, cause like, um, it's, there's the, it's almost like a collecting bug where you're on the, uh, the thrill of the chase to find something that you're like, what can I find? Like find this hidden gem. It's like that and do and go out there and, and invest in like that. So I can flip it. There's a lot of, a lot of work involved in doing that. Um, and so trying to, uh, make it profitable becomes a little bit stressful but it also has a little bit of a buzz factor and like the thrill of the chase if that makes any sense that was actually going to be my next point was that it's exciting and almost a hobby within itself because of what you're just saying yeah it is i guess it yeah i guess it would be looked at like as a hobby in itself you know with the intent of obviously i'm selling yeah because you're not collecting at all you don't care anything about them it's all it's all about just the market it's kind of how I look at the raw deal stuff is when I find it, when I buy a lot, sometimes I buy, a lot of times I buy blindly. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, hey, I've got these cards. Like, well, do you have a list of all? So like, no, I don't have time to type it all up. Well, I can't really give you a whole lot of money for a box of cards that I don't know what's in it. It's like that. And, you know, especially when you're doing it, you know, through social media or something mm-hmm. like that, you can take a picture of it. It's like, they'll send me a picture, like overhead of the box. And like, there's all these cards. And I say, well, I can see there's a a signature card in there. Maybe there's a title belt card. And I said, okay, there's a little something there. I mean, come out with a deal like that. And, you know, but and then I find it and I go, Oh my God, there's some good stuff in here. I get that right. buzz of like, you know, I found a good invest, a good investment now to, to flip it. So it, uh, there's that aspect of it. So I'm, you know, 
focusing on that a little bit, but uh, I guess it is kind of a hobby in a sense where you're kind of going out there trying to find the next great thing. Uh, last, well, I'm sure there's more pros, but this is the last one I came up with is that there it, it's easier to narrow your focus. You know, you're not trying to get this and get that and get this. You could literally take five cards and just look at specific grades of those specific cards and just monitor the markets all the time and, you know, buy when they dip, sell them when they're high. It'd be the same as day trading. It's just, you're looking at cards. Sure. So that it, you yeah, know, absolutely. Being that stock market mentality again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we've both talked about that numerous times. So um, let's go to the cons now. Um, first thing I've got is getting stuck with stuff you end up not really wanting. Yeah. And I'm kind of like that right now where I'm trying to go through an inventory of stuff, um, stuff that I've acquired over the last six, seven years of just random, you know, random things, whether it be buying a card lot that came with stuff or, you know, a, a connection of mine that worked at Tops for a while used to bring me bags of stuff when I would do a convention back East and um, just sit through it all. And, um, you know, it, you know, you, I got all this stuff and I don't it's have like, to do with it all. You know, like it goes I can pull back out, to, what, I can pull back rookies. to what you said earlier. It's like overwhelming. It is overwhelming. I, I can go through like, you know, tonight I started going through and pulling that stack of stuff at, and it has an RC logo on it. It's like that. Now I'm thinking to myself, well, what the hell am I do with the rest of this crap I have sitting here now? It's like, mm -hmm. what am I going to do with it all? Just app it up as a lot to somebody or put like together. Like, I guess I'm going to have to put together all my, uh, you know, uh, Undertaker singles that I have from all the different stuff and say, here's an Undertaker lot that I want to get rid of. I guess that's not really a good example because that's not crap stuff really, but well, um it, but, know, it, but it's stuff that you just, you're not collecting. You're not necessarily like, you just got it. I have zero interest in it really. I, I mm -hmm. mean, I, unless it was numbered stuff, like low, like parallel things or low number type of things or, uh, you know, refractors of some kind or something like that, you know, maybe there's not a whole lot of interest in it for me, but I mean, I don't know. I got to figure out how I'm going to store all the stuff inside my, my store when I open it up so people can come in and actually shop singles. It's like that. And mm -hmm. I got to start pricing all the stuff and do more homework and research to find what this stuff is going for. And I don't know. It's, 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 it's a lot of work just trying to focus on in our pros section where we say it's easier to, 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 you know, to focus, you know, to narrow your focus and stuff mm -hmm. that leaves and leads into the concept. Like, okay, well, I focused on getting all this crap, all this stuff that I want. That's good stuff. Now I'm stuck with the crap. I think kind of, I think, the common, I guess, overarching word that I'm seeing associated with you and the investing is overwhelming. Yes. And I don't, I don't know if it's a personality disorder for me or it's a, a characteristic of my, of me that, um, you know, it's just, it seems like there's a lot going on when you, I feel like I have a grasp on something uh, with the hobby and then something, another dynamic comes in and kind of throws me out of play and another one and another one and another one. Mm -hmm. I go, Oh, I don't want to deal with any of this stuff right now. I'm just going to throw it in a box. <laughs> yeah. I'll get to it later when I can feel like I got a better grasp on it. That's kind of how I feel about my storage unit, how I feel about um, all the inventory, uh, even opening up a box and just opening up a box and going, oh, this is a great card. But what am I going to do with it now? How am I going to flip it? Like I want the most I can possibly get out. I have no interest in keeping it. Mm -hmm. but I want to get the most money out of it. And I always have that fear that, did I sell that too cheaply? Did I just give it away? Uh, for like okay. nothing? And, and, that's and that's where me and you're, that's where me and you're different too. Yeah. yeah I'm like, uh, 
I once, when I got, the, I got a bunch of stuff from that uh, connection I have from Tops several years ago. I was still living in California, so it had to be at least four, three, four years ago. And I remember going through and I opened it. So, you know, I'm going to finally open this stuff up. So I opened it up and uh, I got an Undertaker autograph card number to 10. It was out of, I want to say 2015 or 2016 Heritage, maybe. I can't remember what it was. Anyhow, it was a nice card. Yeah, it was, and I had it. I had someone who offered me 400 for it and someone else offered me, offered me 600 for it. And then I, you know, my good friend who offered me 400 goes, he goes, well, it's not going to be worth that much like that. I go, well, I got an offer for $600 right now, man. I can't, you know, right. I can't just give up $200 like that. Well, if that guy wants for 600, does someone willing to pay 800 for it? You know? <laughs> and I just didn't know if I was selling it for too cheap. You know, I, and I just, I have a hard time parting with something that I want to part with because I don't know if I'm getting the best price for it. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, that actually, once again, king of segues, losing money. That's a big con in strictly investing. And I want to pose the question to you because this is like the first thing I thought of. Remember a couple months ago, six months ago or whatever, we had the huge boom in wrestling cards. Like all of a sudden we're seeing those raw 85 tops Hogan's selling for a couple hundred dollars in terrible condition. How many people do you think out there all of a sudden was like, Oh, okay, well I'm priced out of basketball. Let's go buy wrestling. They bought all that stuff and now it's retraced. I would say there's a good, I would say 50% maybe of the people who bought those at those prices are now regretting it. And either they have themselves in a financial bind. They're just trying to get rid of the cards because now they're not worth anything. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm the collectors got some really good deals on those if they're, if they're currently buying, because they're going to go back up, you know, we're never going back to where we were before with wrestling cards. So, but I think just from a, if you're strict, strictly looking from this at a financial perspective, you know, you could end up getting caught holding the bag, so to speak and losing money. So thoughts. Sure. Yeah. Well, right now is a, just like, again, another um, uh, wonderful way to compare it to the stock market, buy low, sell Mm -hmm. high. You know, right. and it's just right now, right now is a good buying time right now. Um, the floor has been raised. So yes. we don't, we're not going to see uh, if, if you felt like, oh, my God, that card used to be $5 and now it's, you know, $50 like that. You know, it was, then it went to $100, but now it's $50. Well, it's, it ain't going back to $5. Okay. Right. So the, the floor could be somewhere between that five and 50, but it ain't, it ain't, it ain't going back to $5 again. It, it's just a matter of like, like buying a house, you know, it, you know, now it's such everybody's selling their houses for like massive amounts of money right now, way above market values like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so now's not a good time to buy, you know, right. unless you know, got disposable income or you know, unless uh, you're just the collector that wants, like, I'm going to put this back to cards. You were talking about the housing sure. market. Sure. Um, if that, you know, whatever PMG Hogan or 82 all-stars PSA, whatever, whatever it is you're looking for, if it pops up and you're like, I need that because I'm a collector, I, but I also think yeah. it's a good investment and I don't care how much I got to pay that, that right there is the kind of person in my opinion, that is truly in this for the long haul. Sure. Which is, you know, we had a whole different podcast on that one talking mm-hmm. about yep. terms, long terms, long haul, things like that. And it's just amazing that, uh, and you don't think about it, but everybody's definition of long-term is different. It's just all right. different. It's based on what, what their personal preference is, you know, uh, could be six months, could be six years, could be 20 years. I mean, who knows? So, yeah, I mean, you run the risk like anything else, any other investments you do, you run the risk of losing money. It's a, it's also a matter of doing your homework. Right. 
and then, it really is. But if you're a collector, you don't care about losing money. And it's you don't big. care. Yeah. So care. It, it's gets yeah, both ways. Um, and the last kind of con is just kind of losing your sight about why you got into the hobby in the first place. And then I have to also put the caveat that I know specifically in sports card world, maybe not so much in wrestling, maybe I don't know, but I know specifically in sports, there were people that were coming into the cards from the sneakers and from all of these other kind of offshoot things where they were making money and they just moved into cards. They don't actually care about the cards. It was just a avenue and a vehicle to make some money on. So um, thoughts on that? No, that's, that's exactly what I, you know, I, I saw as well. People just, they were coming in. I don't know if some of them were coming in to make quick, a quick buck because it was going so hot. Um, and I think that's the only intention they had, which is to come in and like, oh, I could buy these real quick. I got a local card shop or a local person who knows mm-hmm. nothing about these, but I, I kind of know what they're about now. And I'm going to go turn around and flip them real quick. It's like I had no intentions of ever collecting and they know nothing about the product either. Um, uh, then you have the others who definitely really do know their stuff like that. But it, it's, there's so many different avenues and different types of people with their mindsets on what they, how they want to collect and or how they want to invest it's just, it's, there's no really wrong or right way. I guess there are wrong or right ways. There's, there's no wrong or right way to tell someone how they should do it. Let them do it what they want to do. As long as they're enjoying themselves, having fun. Um, yeah. I don't think I could get into the high end stuff, even if I had the money, because it would be too stressful for me. It really would be. Just you know, it's interesting though. You mentioned the high end in our last conversation with David. I think a lot of people think that David Peck is this big time flipper and investor and all this stuff. But when you listen to our conversation, he's a collector. It's just that he got he's a in on at heart. Yeah. He got in on something that he believes in. He doesn't care what anyone else thinks and he doesn't mess around with much modern. Like this is his lane. This is what he stays in. This is what he knows. And he loves doing it. And he doesn't necessarily want to sell very much. And I, so I think there's some misconceptions too, like with people who are quote flippers or investors that they don't collect anything that they all they do is that stuff but um yourself i'm going to still put you in this category and myself i think we're perfect examples of people who can bridge both you know a foot in both camps so to speak it, it's a, it's a it's hard thing to do and but, but make, make no mistake about peck's um uh, collection slot it is he is a collector he's obviously a true fan of wrestling uh especially that era mm-hmm. um but make no mistake about it he's also an investor Sure. So he knows he he specialized in something that he went into, like I said, stayed in his lane uh, and waved that banner for that particular uh, for, for wrestling as a whole, but also that particular you know genre, that era. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but he knows what his worth is. He knows what he's got himself, want, what he's invested in it and what he could potentially sell out of it. And uh, he's going to come out way ahead for oh, yeah. this, in the long run he knows what he's got. So yes, he's a collector, but he's also a very smart investor. It's also interesting too, with him, like, you know, he can, this is apparently the David Peck show. Um, he, <laughs> he'll post a picture of like, say Sergeant Slaughter, like a, you know, one of the all-star Sergeant Slaughter cards. And he's like, you know, I remember this and sure it's in a PSA slab and maybe it's a eight or a nine or whatever, but he, he'll put like a little quote with what he thinks about Sergeant Slaughter, what that card means to him. Meanwhile, yeah. We've got a bunch of other people out there that are posting, 
you know, Shotzi Blackheart cards or Roman Reigns cards or Becky Lynch cards. And they're like, oh, this is going to go up in value and blah, blah. Not, not what that card necessarily means to them, which maybe yeah. if they did do that, that would be the reason that it may go up in value. Does that make any sense at all? It's just an interesting oh, dynamic. Totally. 100%, yeah. No, 100%. It's an interesting point because I didn't think about that before, but you're right. I think people who do the more modern stuff, they tend to look at like, this is the next big thing and I'm mm-hmm. in on it. Da, 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 you know, and they're looking at it strictly from a financial standpoint and not the love of collecting it. It's like that. Like they have no yeah. real memory. Like there's nothing like, oh, this is an awesome card because it was a when Becky Lynch held both belts at the same time or da, da, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. It's just it's just like, oh, this is Becky Lynch cards. We're worth so much money someday. You should get on it. You know, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think going back to what you said at the beginning of the show, like everybody's got a price. Sure. But um I'll, I'll just pull some Charlotte Flair cards that I have out. Like I'm a, I'm a fan, but if somebody offered me the right price, sure, I might sell them, but I didn't buy those cards to sell them. Does that make sense? And I think that's kind of yeah. how I and, think. And, and, that, and that's where you're walking that fine line. That's right. where you're walking that gray area right there. It's like, you know, I'm a collector and I like it. Don't want to sell it. But if you offer me something for it, I'll be happy to take care of right. it. And then on the flip side, I've got the carry and cross stuff, which I'm not grading. I'm putting in really nice binders and none of it's for sale right now. And of course, you know, everybody's got a price, as you said, but I'm able to do that while I'm able to sell the low end stuff while I'm able to hold great, hold uh, graded cards that maybe I sell, maybe I keep, I don't know. And I just think that's, in my opinion, it's the best way to approach the hobby. If you're willing to put in a little bit of work, it's just kind of just play in all of these camps because you're able to fund stuff, you're able to collect stuff, but you're also not overloading yourself on things. So that's that's kind of where I've settled as far as the collector investor thing. I started one way, then I went way far the other. And I think just kind of settling in the middle, I found my spot. So but that, that's for you for your spot. Mm-hmm. You're never gonna get a Chuckster or a Paul from Price Guide to be in that that spot. I, I shouldn't or, say, or never yourself. say never. It's wrestling. Well, so you never say never in wrestling. But yourself <laughs> too. Like you you said that you know you get overwhelmed with a lot of the the selling of the singles and if you got a 5000 count box like i'm just diving in like sorting and getting them on ebay and stuff and you're like oh well i'm going to close the door to the storage which i can't wait to see those videos it's going to be great <laughs> we are doing them now by by yep. demand apparently yes. we're going to be doing those so it'll be fantastic uh, once the wife starts feeling better she'll be my photographer my my videographer i guess um but uh yeah you're never you're, you're, it's going to be a cold day in hell when you get someone like a Chuckster or a Paul to part with their collections because they collect purely for the joy of it without with zero mm-hmm. intentions of selling anything because they're not really, they're not PC collectors. They're strictly collector collectors. They're not investors of any kind. So whereas you're going to have a David Peck, who's like probably more on the collector side, but again, he's smart and is investing and he knows that for the right price, he's willing to part with certain things. Rob England too. Rob England as well, another yeah, perfect example. They, he, they, they both are not opposed to selling things, but it's going to have to be quite a bit for them to part with it because they are collectors. It's got to be on their terms. Like, right. Listen, I know what I'm invested. This, this card tells a story about where I, I got it from. And in order for me to part with that story and continue that story with you, you're going to have to give me X. Right. And once again, as we've said, there's no right or wrong way to do these things. We're just kind of ah. throwing all the different ways you can do it just to try to help you guys. That's really the whole point of us doing content at all is just trying to help. The bottom line on both sides, if you're an investor, if you're just a collector, or if you're walking that gray area, 
or if you just buy them to burn them, which is <laughs> as long as you're having fun, that's all that matters. Is you're having fun, man. That's true. Have some fun. It doesn't matter. All right. I, I think we covered everything on this. Did I we think not? It was a great, a- great conversation. I'm sure, you know, some, some way, somehow, I think this investing, collecting things just going to keep creeping back into us because it's like you said, it's such a divisive thing. And I think if people could just understand both sides of it, maybe they would not be so divisive on it, maybe understand both sides, or maybe they're living in both camps, like myself, like you are. I'm, I'm still putting you in that category, whether you're going to do it or not, because. I, I, and I am, I, I'm, I'm probably leaning more towards one way than the other. It's like that, but uh, I, I could fall into either category so easily. It's like that and be just as overwhelmed in both sides. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of overwhelming, let everybody know where they can find all of your overwhelming content. All the overwhelming content, everything for, if you want to find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on, uh, you know, Discord, it's all on wrestlingtradingcards.com. It's all new, updated. It's fully interactive. Checklists are going up almost daily i've taken this last week off because i kind of really overdid it in may and and june with like over i don't know 700 entries <laughs> 600 entries uh so it's just i'm taking a week off get back to it probably this weekend i'll start doing some more checklists but everything's on wrestlingtradingcards.com and just what as, about you what can they find well, you before we start talking about me i just want to update everybody make sure we are on a schedule now on wtc's youtube channel every monday and every Monday at 8 a.m. I try to drop a new episode every Monday at 8 a.m. And I've got enough right now for the next several weeks. So uh, every Monday, 8 a.m. YouTube. Love it. Love the consistency in the schedule. And speaking of mine, I've got new videos every Tuesday and Thursday, 6 p.m. Central Time on my YouTube channel, Wrestling With Cards. Not Wrestling Training Cards, although I think I've been on that show a couple of times. Yeah, a few times. <laughs> a few times. And you Just can check... Couple. You can check me out at Zan Morning on most all social platforms. Uh, everything we've talked about, links below in the show notes. And until next time, thank you for checking this out. Keep collecting. Keep having fun. See you guys later.